Hello and welcome to Celtic Down Under. My name is Laura and I'm joined as always by Liam as we do yet another World Cup preview. This time we are looking at Spain in Group E. Liam, how you doing? Good, good. Um, Spain are an interesting one. I'm looking forward to getting into this discussion today because they're, a, they're an unpredictable team, but they're, they're seldom a boring team. It's, it's, it's a funny situation because... Um, Despite the the dominance of Real Madrid in the Champions League over the last few years, um, a lot of the success of the international team was based on that core of Barcelona players over that 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 um, really successful period that they had domestically, translating better than in any other scenario I've ever seen into the national team as well. So that's going to be interesting to see the difference between this Spain team and the Spain team of, of you know, what's what's now ten years ago, that team that won the both the the World Cup and the and the European Championships. Um what about yourself? I have not heard a lot of discussion, ironically, about Spain being amongst the favourites. Is that fair or do you think people are underestimating them going into this tournament? I think they've kind of floated under the radar a wee bit. But um to be honest, considering the the, let's just say the discord that was in the Spain squad at the last World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think they'll be quite happy about that. That they're not being touted as as one of the favourites. Um, yeah. I think they're a team that can do some damage in the tournament for sure. Um, I I kind of go back and forth with um, are Spain a tier one or a tier two World Cup team? Because for me, mm-hmm. tier one teams are the teams that go there with a serious expectation of winning it, right? So that's like Argentina, Brazil, historically Germany, um, and, uh, you know, France. But then mm-hmm. the question is, are Spain in that tier or are they in the secondary tier of teams that are good, unlikely to win it, but might have an outside chance if things go their way? So teams like Croatia... Belgium, England, um, that's your tier two teams, in my opinion. And I'm trying to make my mind up. Do I think Spain, as they are just now, are a tier one or a tier two team? Because they're somewhere in the middle, I think. Yeah, I, I was I was going to say, just looking at the, the history of, of Spain in the World Cup, which I'll just bring up just now, um, I, I do think they fall firmly into uh, the in-between, and I'll tell you why. Um, if you just look at this here, I mean, apart from that win in 2010... Yes, yeah. they're regular qualifiers to the tournament, but they don't seem to do much beyond that. Um, they, they, they they occasionally get to the round of 16, the quarterfinals, that kind of thing, but mm. majority of their exits have been at group stage. Um, I mean, again, as we've talked about before, that, that, that defending champions curse hit them in 2014 where they, they went out in the group stage and uh, and again in Russia, they went out in, in the round of 16. So... They're one of these these strange ones where really their their international pedigree has only been um, established, and I would say in the last decade or so. Yeah, I mean, they you know they, they were they were pretty good in the eighties when you had Butragueño and players mm-hmm. like that, but um, but again, they were a team that went from the sublime to the ridiculous. Beat Denmark five one five one in that tournament, and Denmark were the only team at 86 to win all of their group matches. So they had become one of the favourites for the tournament and Spain mm-hmm. smashed them. Uh, next round, they get gubbed by Belgium. You know, it's just, yeah. it's like that, that's, that's Spain in a nutshell for me, beating one of the best teams of the tournament one day and a few days later getting beat by a pretty mediocre Belgium team, you know? 
Yeah, it's 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 a it's it's a strange sequence of events. You know, they don't that 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 particular period of dominance uh, in in the last decade was short lived, and they almost seem to be returning to returning to baseline. Um, and and it'd be interesting to see um exactly how they can manage to do when they actually get to the World Cup. Having said that, and we'll we'll dive into it with the squad in a little bit. They do have that upcoming generation of talent. Again, Barcelona's heavily responsible for a lot of it in Pedri, Gavi and Ansu Fati. So um, mm. we, we'll definitely look at those. But let's have a little bit of a look at um, the how they got here, the, the, the qualification. I'll just bring that up just now as well. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because having done this in more depth than I've ever done any kind of... Um, looking into a, a, a team's um, approach to a World Cup, you do realise how, how tough the European teams have it. So many good European teams have missed out. And I actually yeah. think this is one instance in which it's probably, although it's a smaller group, it's probably one of the stronger groups in terms of who Spain had to get ahead of to get here. You've obviously got Sweden. You've got Greece, who some people don't think are a particularly... Uh, massive force in international football but it would be doing them a massive disrespect considering they won the European Championships not so long ago um, what what do you make of their their um, approach to the World Cup and, and how they managed to get there? It looks as if they've had a pretty dominant group campaign Well what I would also say in that group although perhaps the points totals don't reflect it but Georgia um, apart from obviously Ukraine they are regarded as one of the strongest of the former Soviet countries. Mm-hmm. So um, they are they are no mugs either. Um, that is actually if you take if you take Spain out of the equation, that's a really interesting group because any any of the the, the next three I think could potentially win that group if Spain mm-hmm. were not there. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Spain went about their job professionally. Um, you know, they only lost one game. Uh, I think it's a shame Sweden didn't make it because obviously historically we do have a bit of an affection for Sweden. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know um, that again, as you say, that's the difficulty of European qualifying. The way these groups break down and the fact that only the winners are going to automatically qualify, um, you know, that makes it all the more difficult for Sweden, Norway, Scotland to to get to these tournaments now, you know? And the other thing as well is, and I know it's it's a case of you have to beat what's put in front of you. They've obviously been playing in a smaller group, Spain, so they've had to play less games. And obviously mm. they've got less chances for points then, and so it kind of evens itself out. But you would argue sometimes that a, a larger league format or a larger group, whatever you want to put it, is, is slightly mm. more difficult to, to negotiate, um, both in terms of, um, you know, fitness and, and fatigue and things like that and also just you know the number of different teams that you're going to have to come up against but it's interesting nonetheless um looking at the squad which I'll just bring up here um as I said before um the the, the Barcelona players are really the fulcrum of the talent yet again um but we'll start at the back just because uh, there's an interesting discussion point before you even get out from between the sticks with the with the Spain squad um mm. Just looking at it here, we've got the goalkeepers. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I couldn't pick any of those three goalkeepers out of a lineup. Um, it's not the most high-profile set of Spain goalkeepers I've ever seen in my life. No, no. Um, 
It's. Uh, I'll just pull it back up there. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, if, he, if any of them walked past me in the street, I wouldn't recognise them. You know, yeah. um, and it's very unusual to say that when you think of some of the great Spanish goalkeepers we've had in, in history, you know? Yeah, the, I mean, obviously the ones from, from, from my time growing up watching football, you had you had Canizares, you had Casillas, um, you had, you, you know, in later years, uh, David De Gea, whose, whose omission is a rather high-profile one. Um it's, considering De Gea is the one that we really know an awful lot about, mm. what what do you think the reason is for his omission? Do you think he still merited a call up, or is is Manchester United's form in recent years, you know, really done him a disservice in terms of getting him that call up that he would have probably been expecting? I would have thought. I'm I'm very surprised that he's not there because, to be honest, I think. And this is no disrespect to these clubs, but even a struggling Manchester United keeper is going to be a better bet than a Brentford or a Brighton keeper. You know? Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I really don't, I don't understand that. I, can, I, 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 De Gea is known for having a bit of an ego, so it could be the case that he's maybe fell out with somebody in the Spanish FA. I don't mm-hmm. know, but that is possible because he is quite outspoken. And yeah. maybe the the management have decided that unity is more important than quality. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's it's. It, I I don't know where I fall in terms of that argument sometimes because I think there's a there's a balance to be struck between being humble enough to be easy to work with, but also having the ego required to push yourself that extra mile that's required at the World Cup. And you do wonder whether Spain will will miss that if they don't have it um, going into the the especially if they get through the group going into the later stages of the tournament, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Mm. Um, Moving down to the defenders, we've obviously got Cesar Azpilicueta playing in what I presume will be his last World Cup, um, Chelsea captain. Um, Hugo Guillemot of Valencia, Pau Torres of Villarreal, Eric Garcia of Barcelona, Alejandro Baldi of Barcelona, Danny Carvajal of Real Madrid, another, another Spanish stalwart, Jordi Alba of Barcelona and Aymeric Laporte of Manchester City. I have to say, this is where games could be won and lost for Spain for me because I think that I think they've got the potential to put out a really, really strong back four or, or, or back three, depending on what shape they decide to, to to play. Yeah, I mean, you don't historically associate uh, sorry, uh, Spanish football with spectacular defending. Mm. But a bit like Brazil in recent years, their defence has become remarkably solid. And yeah. You know, the, the old idea of Spain being a team that it's all right if we lose three, we'll score four is kind of out the window these days. That they, yeah. they, They've mastered the ability to eke out a 1-0 when they have to, you know? Absolutely. And and it's it's just interesting to see there that even in the wing-back positions, they've got Jordi Alba, Aspilicueta and Carvajal. Um, Carvajal, I think, can play on either side. Aspilicueta's right-sided, Jordi Alba's left-sided and Aspilicueta's got that flexibility of being able to play as a a centre half or or as a, a fullback, so there's there's plenty to play about with there, and that's before you even talk about Eric Garcia and Aymeric Laporte, who are who are two solid options as centre backs as well. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. I think they've got plenty of options there and plenty of ways to change it up, and that flexibility could really um, help them be a bit of an unpredictable force in the tournament. Well, the fact that you look at the, those those players and you think which three or four of them are going to start. I genuinely don't know because uh-huh. they're all potential starters, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And 
again, as we like to do, looking at the list of clubs there, you've got Villarreal and Valencia, who are always there and thereabouts from Spain in terms of European places. Um, and then we don't need to we don't need to discuss the the fact that Chelsea, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and and Manchester City are all represented there. That you know these players are playing at a high level, and it will be it will be understandable to see them um, to go far, hopefully for for their club. Looking at yeah. the midfield, we've got um, yet again uh, Barcelona stalwart Sergio Busquets, who is one of the last remaining um, remnants of that successful Barcelona and Spain side of the early two thousand tens. We've got Marcos Llorente of Atletico Madrid, Pedri of Barcelona, Rodri of Manchester City, Koki of Atletico Madrid, Gavi of Barcelona and Carlos Soler of PSG. Um, what I like about this midfield, to be honest, looking at it is it's got that really good mix of hardworking ball winners and creative midfielders. Is that is that a fair assessment, would you say? Yeah, there's also a good blend of youth and experience there. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, guys like Busquets who have been through it all, bringing on younger players like uh, like uh, Rodri and Koki. You know. Um, yeah, I, I think they're. I think you know, it's it's one of these situations where they they might. Ju- We've talked in the past about squads who maybe have left a player out. Um, Ryan Gravenbach for for Netherlands is one that I expected maybe to go. Um, mm. and I think it's maybe a mistake that he's not there for for Holland. Whereas I think here, like you say, Spain have taken the approach of, yes, we need those experienced heads in, but the fearlessness and the creativity of those young players is going to give us something different as well. Aye, aye. Um, Spain Spain are a team that are built on on dynamism and the defence and the midfield both show that. The ability to, to switch it up and to do something unpredictable. Yeah. Um, you will probably find that the whole idea of squad rotation... Spain are one of the teams that are really going to embody that as the tournament as the tournament progresses because they could quite easily play a completely different eleven from one game to the next. Yeah, I have to say that most of the other squads that we've looked at so far, I personally have felt it's quite obvious who are the people there to rotate out in terms of you know, making up the squad and who's actually there to do the majority of the work in the first eleven. But like mm-hmm. you say, with this Spain team, it could it could be a case of it really will be a 26-man effort um, for Spain if they're going to get further on in the tournament. With that said, we'll go, we'll look at the front line. We've got Alvaro Morata of Atletico Madrid, Jeremy Pino of Villarreal, Ferran Torres of Barcelona, Marco Asensio of Real Madrid, Pablo Sarabia of uh, PSG, Danny Olmo of RB Leipzig, Nico Williams of Athletic Club, and Ansu Fati of Barcelona. Now, not the most high-profile front line of, of of Spain forwards that I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and before we go on to talk about the goal threats, there one one that I wanted to talk about specifically is is Alvaro Morata. Now he's a he's a slightly heavily maligned um, striker. I think he, he's got a, a reputation for for not taking chances and not being particularly high scoring, which for a striker is a a major issue. Is is that a reputation you feel he deserves to have earned or are people a bit harsh on him, do you think? I think people kind of forget the fact that when you're playing with, with the greatest of respect, when you're playing for Atletico Madrid, it's a lot harder to be a 25-30 goal-a-season striker than if you're playing for Real Madrid or Barcelona or mm-hmm. PSG, as as some of the other forwards are, you know? Um, no, I, I, I rate Morata. I think he's a good player and I really do think that... Um, 
The criticism often comes from those who don't understand the tactical nuances of of the game. Um, yeah. You know, I've I've had similar arguments. I'm going on a slight tangent here, but I've had similar arguments with Celtic fans recently about Dyson Maeda. Mm-hmm. because they've said, you know, oh, he doesn't score enough goals. And I'm like, I, well, we don't play him as an out-and-out striker. He's not supposed to. He's supposed to set them up for other people to score the goals. And I think that Morata, although he is more of a natural goal scorer, I think, it's like he will bring other players into the game, but he will not get the credit for that because he's not the one that sticks the ball in the net. Yeah, I think his stature and his builds lend him to, although you say, as you say, he's a natural finisher, it does lend him to being a bit more of a target man at times. And mm. and when you look at the <clears throat> the players that he'll have running off him, the likes of Ansu Fati, Marco Asensio and Ferran Torres, they're going to benefit directly from that. It, it reminds me a little bit of the argument back in the day um, that England fans had about Emil Heskey not scoring enough goals for for, for England in that, that mm-hmm. pretty... Uh, atrocious song um 5-1 even Heskey scored I mean I, I think that does the guy, it's funny but it does the guy a great disservice because I think without Heskey Owen and Rooney don't get nearly as many goals as as they ended up getting certainly it was a young Wayne Rooney but no um, but yeah. what England fans forget is that for every every time that Michael Owen or Wayne Rooney nipped in at the back post and scored a tap in it's because there were probably three men on Heskey at the time yeah yeah. You know, that, that that's that's what you forget. Um Or Heskey was uh, the man who got the flick on at the front post, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um yeah. no, no, I, I I you know, I'm no i I'm no fan of England generally, but I, I really do think Heskey is a very was a very underappreciated player. Um yeah. and I think Morata it's a similar narrative that's being built by certain I would respectfully say less educated uh football journalists. Absolutely. Um, just before we go to look at the fixtures, I have to say my attitude towards Spain and their potential chances has changed a little bit looking at that squad. I think there's more quality there than I was maybe anticipating. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah. Um, you know, Spain historically are quite underachieving, If, like you say, apart from the, the one time they've won it. Um, and traditionally, a big team crashes at the early stages, and I have said that I think it could be France or Spain, mm-hmm. um, but looking at that squad, it's hard to see. It's hard to see Japan or Costa Rica beating that. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of which, we'll just get the fixtures up just now, just to see the lay of the land as far as those fixtures go, because as we all know, that the sequence of fixtures can be a can be a major factor in deciding how things go. Spain have got arguably the easiest opener of the group um, in playing Costa Rica. Um, they then have to to face Germany, uh, which nobody would be wanting to do in Group E um, in, in the middle match, and then they're closing out against against Japan. Looking at that, I mean, we've been through this with n- numerous groups so far, but I mean, in some ways, there's more pressure on them in the first game than than a lot of other teams because you ha- you'd have to think that that, w- that game against Costa Rica is a must-win because anything that they get against Germany is going to be a bonus. I, I mean, it's an interesting group, this, in the sense that both the two favourites, Spain and Germany, are both opening up against teams that they are expected to beat fairly mm-hmm. comfortably. You know, as much as we love Japan, we, we've got to say that Germany and Spain should wipe the floor with them if the form guide goes according to plan. And and yet both of them 
are fielding squads that many would agree are not the greatest squads either nation has ever put to a tournament? No, definitely not. And I, as I said, I think that the shock could come from, I mean, I hope that Japan sneak through this group because one of either Spain or Germany bottle it. But um, I, I do think that it's an interesting narrative because Spain play Costa Rica first and Germany play Japan first. Mm-hmm. If either of them don't win that first game for whatever reason, they're then playing each other thinking, oh God, if we don't win this, we could be going out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is... Uh, the idea. I mean, Spain-Germany for me is, is the tie of the first round already. Um, yeah. You know, closely followed by France-Denmark. But I think that it would be an even better, more interesting tie if there was the added spice of one of them potentially being like knocked out or almost knocked out the tournament if they lost. Yeah, yeah. I think what's absolutely certain is, you know, <clears throat> with the with the number of matches that are on over the next uh, couple of weeks, especially with the group stages, you you know, well, depending on time difference, depending on work schedules and everything, we'll all we'll all struggle to take absolutely every game in. But I think one that nobody will want to miss in that first round, as you said, is Spain Germany. Yeah, unfortunately, it's on at silly o'clock Japan time, so I'll have to make do with the highlights, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm I'm sitting here very busily thinking, because obviously the times on there are, are, are UK times, um, and it's all very convenient for me, um, unfortunately not for yourself, but then, uh, yeah, yeah, them's the breaks, unfortunately, them's the breaks. Um, Two of Japan's three games are on at watchable times here, so I guess that's as, that's as good as I could hope for. I'd like to think FIFA did that somewhat deliberately, but that would be giving them a bit too much credit, I think. Well, put, putting the putting the the final game of the round at four o'clock in the morning is definitely very a very FIFA thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, right. ju- just to close out the the the, the, the Spain chat, I think um, I have to say. I um, came into this thinking, ah, they're a, they're a weakened side. They are not what they used to be. I, I doubt that they'll have much of an impact at the World Cup. But a quick glance through that squad and, you know, I think they could surprise a few people. I think a few people will be underestimating, especially the likes of Pedri and Gavi and Ansu Fati if they haven't been paying attention to Spanish football in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, particularly Ansu Fati has really impressed me in what I've seen of him. Um, mm-hmm. you know, as a heavier man myself, it's always nice to see a fatty doing well. You know, <laughs> um, but no, I I I do think he he's quality. And Barcelona, because of their current financial situation, they need to bring through players like that. Yeah. So if he can do well on the on the big on the biggest stage of them all, then that would be really good for for Barcelona's future and for Spanish football's future. Absolutely. Um, whether it's at this World Cup or another one, Spain will not be far away, I'm sure, going forward. Uh, that said, that's the end of the Spain review. We've done Germany and um, Spain for Group E. Um, next up will be Japan. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to getting into that. Please make sure you watch the rest of the videos that we've done and the remaining videos that we've got coming up for the, the run into the World Cup. As we record this, the World Cup is about to start. Uh, this evening UK time um, sometime tomorrow morning for for Liam over in Japan so um, it's very exciting times but hopefully you can join us uh, throughout the World Cup for for more coverage Liam thank you very much for joining me and I'll see you in the next one Thank you, see you then Sports Social Podcast Network